Bucking Washington wishing you will have a beautiful day. This is VOA News via remote. I'm Tommy McNeil. Russian missiles struck cities and villages in eastern and southern Ukraine as Russian President Vladimir Putin received Iran's strong support for his military operation. The regional governor in the eastern city of Kramatorsk said one person was killed in an airstrike Tuesday that hit an apartment building. Fresh blood stained the concrete amid green leaves that were from trees as nearby apartments on two floors burned. Russian forces also fired seven cruise missiles overnight at the Odessa region in uh, southern Ukraine. And Ukraine claimed uh, to have shot down a Russian fighter jet in Kyrgyzstan region in southern Ukraine. A U.S. official reported Russian planes annex uh, or plans to annex Ukrainian territory that has uh, it captured, and he forecasts more U.S. weapons supply to Ukraine. Meanwhile, at a news conference, the National Security uh, spokesman John Kirby said that Russia has started a rolling out a playbook for annexing parts of Ukraine. Already, Russia is installing illegitimate proxy officials in the areas of Ukraine that are under its control. And we know their next moves. First, these proxy officials will arrange sham referenda on joining Russia. Then, Russia will use those sham referenda as a basis to try to claim annexation of sovereign Ukrainian territory. Russian President Vladimir Putin said Tuesday it is the West's own fault that the flow of Russian natural gas to European customers has dwindled and warned that it could continue ebbing. Putin's statement further cranked up pressure on the European Union, which fears Russia could cut off gas to wreak economic and political havoc in Europe in the winter. Speaking to Russian reporters in Tehran, where he attended the talks with the leaders of Iran and Turkey, Putin said the amount of gas pumped through the Nord Stream pipeline to Germany will fall further from 60 million to 30 million cubic meters a day. This is VOA News. The U.S. House has overwhelmingly approved a bill to protect same-sex and interracial marriages. Tuesday's vote stands a direct confrontation with the U.S. Supreme Court, whose conservative majority is overturning Roe v. Wade abortion access and signal that other rights may be in jeopardy. While the Respect for Marriage Act easily passed the House, it is likely to stall in the U.S. Senate, where most Republicans would surely block it. But it's part of a political strategy setting up an election year roll call that will force all lawmakers to go on the record with their views. Dozens of Republicans joined Democrats in Tuesday's House passage. Jurors in the penalty phase of the trial of Nicholas Cruz saw gruesome video of the 2018 Florida school shooting. The AP's Ed Donahue has more. People in the gallery didn't see it, but jurors stared intently at video screens. Some started squirming. One looked up at gunman Nicholas Cruz and then returned to watching the video. It showed Cruz murdering 17 people at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Many were shot at point-blank range. Among those testifying later was teacher Dara Hass. We heard the pop, 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 the... The sounds of the gunshots. Hass thought it might be a drill, but realized quickly it was not. One of the students was injured. Um, it, um, he didn't have time to make it out of the, to make it out of um, death. Three students were killed in her class. While the video was playing, Cruz looked down and did not appear to watch it. I'm Ed Donahue. Health officials say that U.S. adults who have not gotten any COVID-19 shots yet should consider a new option from Novavax. 
The protein-based shot is a more traditional kind of vaccine than the three brands available in the U.S. federal regulators authorized the two-dose vaccine last week for adults. Advisors to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention unanimously recommended the option on Tuesday, and the agency agreed. The Maryland-based company hopes the U.S. also clears booster doses and teen use fairly soon. Recapping our top story, Russian missiles have now struck cities and villages in eastern and southern Ukraine as the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, received Iran's strong support for his military operation. The regional governor in an eastern city said one person was killed in the airstrike on Tuesday that hit an apartment building. Fresh blood stained the concrete at a U.S. official reported Russian plans to annex Ukrainian territory that it has captured already. And he also forecasts more U.S. weapons supply to Ukraine. There is more at voanews.com. Again, voanews.com via remotes. I'm Tommy McNeil, VOA News. Today is Wednesday, July 20th, and this is VOA's International Edition. I am Chinedofo in Washington. Coming up in the next half hour, the U.S. blames Russia's invasion of Ukraine for growing global human trafficking cases. As we all know, since the start of Russia's aggression against Ukraine, millions of Ukrainians have had to flee their homes, some internally within Ukraine, some leaving the country altogether. Many, most, with just what they were able to carry. The World Meteorological Organization warns record-breaking heat waves in Europe will worsen. Meteorologists say the scorching heat wave sweeping Europe is likely to last well into the middle of next week, smashing more temperature records as it continues. And dozens of heads of state to attend the first in-person UN General Assembly since the COVID pandemic. We'll have these stories and more next on International Edition. Stay tuned. The U.S. State Department said on Tuesday that 25 million people around the world are victims of human trafficking, including many, quote, highly vulnerable, unquote, Ukrainians after Russia's invasion. During the release of his annual report on human trafficking, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken honored activists fighting against trafficking, including the president of Ukrainian LGO, La Strada, Katharina Chepreka. In addition to Russia, the new section listed Afghanistan, Burma, Cuba, Iran, North Korea, and five other countries with, quote, documented, unquote, policy, or pardon, of human trafficking, forced labor in government-affiliated sectors, sexual slavery in government, camps of employed or recruited child soldiers. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. The United States is committed to fighting it because trafficking destabilizes societies, it undermines economies, it harms workers, it enriches those who exploit them, it undercuts legitimate business, and most fundamentally because it is so profoundly wrong. Katerina... Cherpaka leads the Ukrainian chapter of the anti-trafficking NGO La Strada. As we all know, since the start of Russia's aggression against Ukraine, millions of Ukrainians have had to flee their homes, some internally within Ukraine, some leaving the country altogether. Many, most, with just what they were able to carry. And that makes them highly vulnerable to exploitation. La Strada has a hotline. It's received an unprecedented number of calls over the past five months. The organization has given literally thousands of Ukrainians the information and assistance that they need to try to stay safe as they're forced from their homes. 21 countries were upgraded a tier because those governments made significant increasing efforts to combat trafficking at home as well as for their citizens abroad. 
18 countries were downgraded a tier, indicating that they either didn't make significant increasing efforts to combat trafficking, or worse, that their governments have a state-sponsored policy or pattern of trafficking. That's U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. Russian missiles have struck cities and villages in eastern and southern Ukraine as Russian President Vladimir Putin received Iran's strong support for his military operation. With the worldwide food crisis looming as a result of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, President Putin met with Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan in Iran's capital, Tehran, with their sights set on reaching an agreement on resuming the flow of Ukrainian grain through the Black Sea. Jonathan Speer narrates this VOA report from Moscow. The war in Ukraine is threatening the world's access to wheat, leading to dramatic price hikes and food shortages. Officials call the situation worrying. Jakub Kern is the World Food Programme's coordinator in Ukraine. Ukraine is the world's fifth largest exporter of wheat and in the top three for maize, barley and sunflower seeds. Production of wheat in 2021 was approximately 40 million tonnes and another 50 million tonnes for the other three commodities. Before the conflict, Ukraine used to feed the world. Now they need help to feed themselves. Ukraine and some Western sources have accused Russia of stealing Ukrainian wheat and taking it to Russian territory, something that Moscow has consistently denied. Turkey, Russia's influential neighbour to the south on the Black Sea, has presented itself as the key mediator in the situation, and the meeting in Iran between Russia and Turkey is a new opportunity to find a solution, experts say. Alexei Malashenko is an analyst with the Institute for the Dialogue of Civilizations, a research organization in Moscow. The only thing I believe they will agree on is an issue dealing with the grain export. This is a private issue, and I think it will be solved this way, or the other, not without any problems. But I think that both Turkey and Russia are interested in that. This is Putin's first meeting with the Turkish president since Russia unleashed its troops on Ukraine. Putin's meeting in Tehran comes after Russia has repeatedly insisted it is not responsible for the brewing food crisis or the military action in Ukraine. As the Russian president sees it, this accusation is the result of what he calls Western Russophobia. I will stress once again, the problem did not arise today and not even in the past three months. Russia is absolutely not to blame for it, contrary to what some demagogues are now saying, trying to blame our country for anything happening to the world's economy. The scarcity and inflation among basic food products are already a reality, not only in the West but also in Russia. That is also one of the engines that pushed Russia to come to the table to talk about resuming the flow of Ukrainian grain. For the VOA Moscow Bureau, Jonathan Speer, VOA News. Russian President Vladimir Putin's first visit outside Russia since Moscow unleashed its war in Ukraine is meant to bolster regional ties. To dive into the topic, Flashpoint Ukraine Steve Miller spoke with Ambassador John Herbst, Senior Director of the Atlantic Council's Eurasian Center and former Ambassador to Ukraine. Steve began the conversation by asking why Putin was making the trip now. I think this trip is a sign of weakness. And he's going to Iran in part because he has a weapons problem. And the fact that he's seeking weapons from Iran is a very telling marker that, in fact, the war has not gone the way he's expected and that his vaunted advantage, which is not a false advantage, 
in military equipment is by no means overwhelming and by no means decisive. People more credentialed than I am in military analysis describe the Russian military as having the, either the second or the third most powerful conventional force in the world, right? Whether it's China or Russia, we don't know who's second. Well, the second or third most powerful military in the world has been stopped by a country of much smaller size, much weaker military, and with far fewer weapons. And again, the fact that they go hat in hand to the Iranians is an indication of that. And the drones are something that many people think is one of the reasons why he's there. But does President Putin, the Russian leader, need to walk away with anything tangible? He doesn't need that because, according to the press, Iran has agreed to provide stuff. Now, maybe Iran hasn't provided it yet. Maybe that's why he's going. But as far as we know, they've agreed to provide it, um, although you know, the Iranians are tough bargainers. So maybe this trip was part of the deal, too. Who knows? And um, Putin fortunate on timing because this follows, you know, on the heels of Biden's not particularly successful trip, and I'm being kind, to Saudi Arabia. And uh, some favorable to Putin comparisons are already being made. But having said that, this is also a sign of Putin's weakness that he's going to Tehran at this point. Putin's also meeting with Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, presumably to discuss transport of Ukrainian grain. Um, and Turkey has been really trying to be that go-between, trying to foster some kind of deal that would you know, see grain being shipped to alleviate some of the worldwide food insecurity that has uh, erupted since the war began. Right. The UN Secretary Guterres said that he hoped that a deal could be reached this week. But with Turkey now removing its objection to Finland and Sweden joining NATO, what do you see that as a potential roadblock or having any kind of an impact on discussions between uh, Erdogan and Putin? I can see Putin throwing that in Erdogan's face. But I don't think it has a palpable impact on these talks. That's Ambassador John Erbst, Senior Director of the Atlantic Council's Eurasian Center and former ambassador to Ukraine. He was speaking with Flashpoint Ukraine Steve Miller. Despite an ongoing civil war and a record drought, Ethiopia's wheat production is expected to jump 70% this year as it seeks to reduce reliance on food imports. While the boost in wheat provides a glimmer of hope, millions of displaced Ethiopians still need food aid which has been disrupted by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Henry Wilkins reports from Samara, Ethiopia. On the outskirts of Samara, a town in Ethiopia's Afar region, tractors prepare the soil to plant wheat. Irrigated fields are a rare but increasingly common sight in the region. The Ethiopian government's drive to plant more wheat means production of the grain will increase from 1.42 million tonnes last year to 2.4 million tonnes this year, according to government figures. Ghetto Kassa works on the field in Samara. He says the government aims for the programme to cover any demands coming from the market and reduce imports adding that it should also provide job opportunities for the population. Hilmariah Mabara, another worker, says the project has had a positive impact for him. He says he used to work for 1,900 beer on another programme, but now that this programme has begun, he gets 3,000 from it. That means Abara's income has jumped from 36 to 57 US dollars per month. The government's goal by next year is to eliminate the need to import any wheat at all. 
Mohammed Noor Ali is an official in Samara. During the past year, we were planning to plant wheat on 8,400 hectares of land, he says. We succeeded in implementing this goal through the cooperation of joint efforts between the Ethiopian government and the people, adding we also strive to increase our efforts and up production even further. However, the US Department of Agriculture says Ethiopia's goal to eliminate the need for imports next year is unrealistic. Ethiopia's need for continued food aid is clear, says Valerie Browning, from the Afar Pastoralist Development Association, a non-profit in Samara. Afar region has never been in a worse situation. Uh, we've got a situation that's doubled up between the effects of conflict and that of the drought, because the situation now is that the government says actually 95% of all Afar are food insecure. The severe regional drought and Ethiopia's war between the central government and the Tigray region have left an estimated 20.4 million people in Ethiopia in need of food aid, says the UN's World Food Programme, WFP. Additionally, warring parties have also been accused of withholding food from reaching vulnerable populations. The crisis in Ukraine has exacerbated existing conditions, reducing wheat imports and driven up the price of food by 67%, says the WFP. At the same time, says the UN's Food and Agriculture Organization, FAO, Russia has imposed restrictions on fertilizer exports. That could make growing wheat more difficult and expensive. Chimimba David Ferri is the FAO's sub-regional coordinator for East Africa. Countries like Ethiopia, obviously, uh, that have been importing uh, wheat uh, and fertilizer uh, get very badly affected. For those most in need of food aid, any help in the form of wheat or otherwise cannot come soon enough. Henry Wilkins for VOA News, Samara, Ethiopia. U.S. officials are defending the latest American demonstration of support for Taiwan after strong condemnation from Beijing. Details from VOA's chief national correspondent Steve Herman in Washington. State Department spokesman Ned Price on Monday brushed off China's criticism that the latest military support package for Taipei will harm relations between Beijing and Washington, saying under the Taiwan Relations Act, the United States has an obligation to help the Taiwanese maintain a sufficient self-defense capability. This is something that successive administrations has, uh, have done. Uh, it, in, uh, it is entirely consistent with our Uh, one China policy. The United States should not play with fire, an official in Beijing warned earlier in the day, reacting to the fourth announced U.S. sale of weapons or technical support to Taiwan this year. Steve Herman, VOA News, Washington. In other news, a very high number of heads of state and governments, 157, said they plan to attend September's first total in-person gathering of world leaders at the UN General Assembly since the COVID-19 pandemic began in early 2020. The 104 heads of states on the just-released provisional list of speakers include U.S. President Joe Biden, Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky, and the presidents of Iran, France, Brazil, Colombia, South Korea, South Africa, Egypt, and Venezuela. The 53 heads of government included the next-to-be-chosen British Prime Minister, German's Chancellor and the Japanese, Israeli and Iraqi Prime Ministers. For more on this story and other breaking news, visit our website at voaafrica.com. 
Remember to connect with us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Search for VOA Africa. You're listening to VOA's International Edition. I am Chinedofo in Washington. The World Meteorological Organization, WMO, warns heat waves, raging wildfires, and record-breaking temperatures are becoming normal because of climate change. Lisa Schneier reports for VOA from Geneva. Meteorologists say the scorching heat wave sweeping Europe is likely to last well into the middle of next week, smashing more temperature records as it continues. They warn the time between heat waves is becoming shorter, noting the current event was preceded by a similar one in June, and they say the likelihood of a third heat wave occurring before summer ends is strong. WMO Secretary General Petteri Talas says he has no doubt as to what is behind the phenomenon. Thanks to climate change, we have started seeing, uh, we, have, we have started breaking records uh, uh, nationally and also also regionally. And uh, and in the future, uh, the, these kind of heat waves uh, are going to be uh, uh, normal, and uh, and we will see even stronger. He says people have pumped so much carbon dioxide into the atmosphere that the negative trend will continue for decades. Those who will suffer most, he says, are the elderly and sick. The WMO chief says more frequent, intense heat waves also will have a major adverse effect on agriculture. The previous heat waves in Europe, we lost uh, big parts of uh, harvest and uh, and, uh, under the current uh, situation we are already having this global food crisis because of uh, war in Ukraine, uh, this heat wave uh, is going to have further negative uh, impact on agricultural uh, activities. The World Health Organization's Director of Environment and Health, Maria Nera, says heat compromises the body's ability to regulate its internal temperature. She warns that will lead to a cascade of illnesses, including heat cramps, heat stroke, and hyperthermia. We are very much concerned is that when this uh, heat wave coincide as well with high levels of pollution, and therefore that will uh, exacerbate the, the respiratory, cardiovascular, in general diseases and condition. And um, this is a, a major concern as well for, for those uh, big uh, urban spaces where um, the cities are not well adapted to uh, cope with these uh, high temperatures. Scientists emphasize climate change is happening even faster than drafters of the Paris Climate Change Agreement anticipated. They note warming in many regions already has surpassed one and a half degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. The WMO's Talis says the world is heading for two and a half degrees Celsius warming, which means heat waves and other extreme weather events will become a normal part of life. He says that should be a wake-up call for human beings. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva. And a swath of Europe is battling soaring temperatures, wildfires and a severe drought with a new report predicting the parched conditions will shrink crop yields, including in agricultural heavyweight France, at a time when Russia's blockade of grain from Ukraine is already hurting consumers. For VOA, Lisa Bryant has more from Paris. The sound of youngsters taking a water break in Paris, where the temperature sizzled at around 37 degrees Celsius. But elsewhere in France, there is no reprieve from the heat. 
Firefighters in the southwestern Gironde area are battling massive blazes that have decimated thousands of hectares of land and covered the wine city of Bordeaux in a blanket of haze. A European Union report out this week finds nearly half of EU territory risk drought, with France among half a dozen countries most severely affected. The dry weather is stressing nature and expected to shrink food and energy production, two areas where Europe is already feeling the fallout of the war in Ukraine. The EU's executive arm expects grain output across the bloc will be 2.5 percent lower than last year, although it will still have an export surplus. Many are bracing for a bigger hit. Climate scientists predict heat waves and droughts in Europe will become more frequent and intense. More immediately, one farmer from the Alps region told French TV he fears water shortages will trigger an irrigation ban in the coming weeks. If that happens, he says, it will be catastrophic for area harvests. Lisa Bryant for VOA News, Paris. This is Science in a Minute. Astronomers say they have discovered the first dormant stellar mass black hole outside of the Milky Way. A black hole is considered dormant if it doesn't produce high levels of X-rays. The discovery was made as the result of six years of observations with the European Southern Observatory's Very Large Telescope. The black hole is part of a binary system identified as VFTS-243 and is located in the Tarantula Nebula in the neighboring Large Magellanic Cloud. The black hole is said to have a mass nine times that of our Sun, and the hot blue star companion it orbits is 25 times more massive than the Sun. Writing in the journal Nature Astronomy, the researchers say that the star that led to the black hole's formation didn't explode in a supernova, but rather just collapsed into itself under its own gravity and disappeared. I'm VOA's Rick Pantaleo. Hi, I'm Kim Lewis. Join me and our panel of journalists as we discuss the top stories of the week, including jury selection began in the trial of Steve Bannon, an advisor to former President Donald Trump, who was facing charges of contempt of Congress. The charges stem from Bannon's refusal to testify before the Congressional Committee investigating the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol. Join us for Issues in the News this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. And to all our VOA listeners, please note we have moved our programs to a new website, voaafrica.com, from voanews.com. There you will find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. Find us on voaafrica.com, and thanks for listening. This has been International Edition on The Voice of America. On behalf of the entire production team, Thank you so much for listening. Visit our website for in-depth coverage of world events and news 24 hours a day at voaafrica.com. Until next time, I'm Gina Ruffo in Washington, wishing you a wonderful day. Next, an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. Developing countries often lack the essential infrastructure to help navigate global shocks, like the recent COVID-19 pandemic. As a result, they feel the impacts more acutely and have a harder time recovering, explained President Joe Biden at the recent G7 summit in Germany. 
To mitigate such impacts, the G7 is launching the Partnership for Global Infrastructure and Investment. The United States will mobilize $200 billion in public and private capital over the next five years to invest in health, digital connectivity, gender equality and equity, climate and energy security. Under the category of health, the United States, its G7 partners, and the World Bank are investing in a new industrial-scale vaccine manufacturing facility in Senegal. When complete, it will have the potential to produce hundreds of millions of doses of vaccines annually. That's why the Digital Investment Program is mobilizing $335 million in investment capital for digital connectivity, infrastructure, and digital financial services that strengthen open, interoperable, reliable, inclusive, and secure digital ecosystems in emerging markets. The U.S. government also supported the bid by an American company, Subcom, for a $600 million contract to build a global subsea telecommunications cable. History has demonstrated that when women and girls are free to fully participate in society, there is a positive impact across their communities, said President Biden. The United States is committing $50 million over five years to the World Bank Global Child Care Incentive Fund. This public-private partnership supported by several G7 partners will help countries build infrastructure that makes it easier for women to participate equally in the labor force. In order to protect against climate change, it is vital to invest in clean energy projects. For example, the U.S. just facilitated a new partnership between two American firms and the government of Angola to invest $2 billion in building new solar projects in Angola. And in Romania, the American company New Scale Power will build a first-of-its-kind small modular reactor plant. This will help bring online zero-emission nuclear energy to Europe faster, more cheaply, and more efficiently. This isn't aid or charity, declared President Biden. It's an investment that will boost all of our economies, and it's a chance for us to share our positive vision for the future and let communities around the world see for themselves the concrete benefits of partnering with democracies. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government.